is a bloody disgusting podcast network. We gonna carry on and plan the sequel, cause let's face it, baby, these days, you gotta have a sequel. Ah! Welcome back to Micro Queers. It's your bi-weekly queer horror short roundup. I almost <laughs> forgot it, but I got it in the end. And I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And we're discussing uh, Kyle Rooms. Rooms? Roomies? Rooms. I'm going to say room. Uh, yeah. Ecstasy, which is... I mean, it's it's just self-described as an art house short. I actually wouldn't even go as far to describe it like that. Would you? It struck me as like a very straightforward drama, but like yeah. not in a bad way. No, I mean, it's it's just under five minutes long and it's pretty, uh, again, I want to use the word basic, but it's a simple narrative where it's basically just a guy is mm-hmm. at a bar and he yep. sees his ex with his new, with the ex's new boyfriend and mm-hmm. he gets angry and goes to punch him. <laughs> like, yeah, more or less. That, that is the plot of this short and that's that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Indeed, yeah. Four minutes in and out. So this is a Toronto filmmaker. We're back in the territory of people who are making student films for their dissertation. And yeah, I don't know. So what did you what did you think of this? It felt it reminded me of myself when I was a teenager and dating. I've been in a relationship for ten years, so I I'm not a stranger to these feelings of jealousy that this short is getting is putting out there. But I haven't been broken up with or been single in 10 years. So it's like, it was kind of like a refresher course and like what it feels like to, well, I mean, actually, we don't even know what happened to this couple, right? No, like, We just no, know that like they it. have broken up. So we yeah. don't know who's in the right and who's in the wrong. And I actually think that plays a very important part in how you watch the, the short because it's kind of at the end of the day, like, well, is violence ever worth it no matter who's right or wrong? <laughs> See, I don't. I don't see this as an act of violence. I see this as an act of passion. Well, hence, hence the, the name title. of the short, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I agree, right? Like, it, it's very much like you see your ex flirting with somebody. You're clearly broken up. Like, everything about this short makes it clear that these two men are not together anymore. Right. And he feels like an appropriate response to seeing an ex flirting is to just tackle him. Wholeheartedly tackle him. And... But then, like, he leaves himself open for abuse and even seems to welcome it. Well, but then, okay, this is where the language of film comes in, right? Because, yes, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the fighting, which is the first a tackle, where he tackles his ex-boyfriend to the ground at this bar, is intercut, yeah. is cross-cut with a similar tackle to the bed prior to a lovemaking session. So, yes, yes, I see where you're getting the passion coming in from this because, yeah, like the, the ecstasy is linked to the passion, which is linked to both, be it, like, to both sexuality and violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting thing when we're thinking too about like queer relationships and because I, I feel like there's an unspoken violence that happens in queer relationships that seems to be much more front and center in straight relationships. Like we don't talk about boyfriends beating the shit out of each other, but it happens. Yeah, it does. I don't really know how to address that. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I realize it's a bit of a like non-starter, but... I guess for me, I mean, I 
one of the things I like about the short is how brief it is because it gives you, you know, like we've talked about with a very simple premise, it gives you that open area to infer what you want to believe. So we don't know the nature of the relationship, why they broke up, who broke mm-hmm. up with whom. It seems like our main guy is the guy who feels disgruntled, but maybe he also feels very lost without this other gentleman, which is why he ends up tackling him. I don't know. Like I, I just liked being able to put all of my own emotions and readings into that because this short i mean also we haven't addressed it there's no dialogue in it either. no there's no dialogue i mean again even going back to the like talking about like not even violence in queer relationships but just like neg- negative like toxicity and stuff because i'm just thinking like obviously like and this is a generalization but like a lot of queer folks like statistically are more likely to have experienced trauma in their youth as opposed to their straight counterparts right. because right. of the constant feelings of rejection by religion by society by whatever mm-hmm. and that absolutely feeds how you go into a relationship and so i feel like oh i'm like what do i want to say here mm-hmm. i don't know i just think it's something that isn't really brought up enough as to how how a lot of rejection in your in your youth um, for being queer plays into how you act in a relationship and how you act when a relationship ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I feel like I was always less prepared for the heartbreak. Like, I've only had a couple of serious relationships, but I felt completely unprepared for them because I hadn't just had, like, boyfriends and girlfriends when I was in high school. So it's like yeah. my first significant relationship was it just so happened to be a long-term relationship. It ended very badly after a significant period of time. And when it ended, I was like, oh, I've never I've never broken up or been broken up with before because I never dated because it wasn't mm-hmm. safe and I wasn't out. So I didn't know what the fuck to do. I didn't know how to process my feelings. And it was very unhealthy for like a very long period of time. So like during the relationship, after the relationship, or both? After. I mean, it it was a cheating relationship from almost the very beginning. So it was very unhealthy, but I didn't realize that or... I didn't admit it for a very long period of time. And then after that ended, I basically would find myself like constantly walking by my ex's apartment and just like looking wistfully up the building and being like, oh, I wonder what he's doing right now. I wonder if he's moved on and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, this is a person who treated you horribly, who put you at risk for like STIs, all manner of like terrible things. And didn't really have like he didn't care at all like when it ended he was like out and like fucking other people immediately mm-hmm. and i'm here like staring lovelorn like oh the love of my life is gone and yeah. i don't know it it's ridiculous like i empathize very deeply with this short in that regard how old were you when that breakup happened oh gosh um would have been almost 30 at that point okay i'm just trying to think of a six-year relationship well i was to say like you know with queer relationships um everyone's always kind of like a phase behind again their straight counterparts because yeah for a lot of us like you don't get to be yourself especially in relationships until later in life for some of Mm us uh, it's your 20s for some people it's their 50s like it just depends yeah so you essentially like live out your teenage years whenever you kind of like make like mm-hmm. come out and make and be compete be like publicly okay for yeah. me i mean I, I definitely had 
had like I, I was a serial monogamist for the longest time in high school and college and I love that term <laughs> yeah but like um I and I definitely had some breakups I had people break up with me I broken up with people and a lot of times they were good a lot of times they were not good but my thing was um I always had a physical reaction and I, I always thought I don't know what it is I had to work it out in therapy but it was like I liken it to an anxiety attack but it was whenever a partner of mine would be out with friends without me or especially if he was drinking or doing drugs and I wasn't there. And it right. never stemmed from a place of, oh, I'm jealous that you're going to cheat on me. It was always just like, you're experiencing this thing that I've never... Because I, I wasn't really... I mean, I, no one was allowed to drink or do drugs in high school. But I, 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 I was never <laughs> like... people were. <laughs> I couldn't sneak out. I, I couldn't get out and do it. And so right. I, I had this reaction of like, like extreme FOMO, where right. basically if a partner of mine was out doing drugs or drinking or like with like friends at a party... I would like get like literally like, chilled to the bone. Um, I would uh, shake. I would like shiver and shake, and like I would have to curl up in a ball in my bed and like like rub myself to like get myself out of whatever my body was telling me was like like was wrong with me. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, I I kind of figured that I, I learned down the road that my mother has a similar thing, so it might be genetic, but yeah. I don't know what it is. But it's okay. basically I, I so I had to learn how to be like, oh, it's okay for your partner to go out and do things and like whatever, right. and so. Watching this, while again, we don't know the details of this relationship, I was kind of like, I knew what it felt like when you felt something about a romantic partner that was so intense that you had to like get up and do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, while this may, (laughs) kind of, yeah. So, while this may not be like a horror short, like per se, it definitely reminded me of some scary things that I went through. It, it, It sounds like it's the same for you. Yeah, a surprisingly, not emotional reaction, but like a very personal reaction to this one. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. But yeah, so listeners, let us know what you think of Ecstasy. What was your read on it? Did you have any personal connection to it? Did you, I don't know, did, did you react to it physically, mm-hmm. shivering in your bed? Or did you want to go punch <laughs> someone? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Would you watch a feature-length version of this? Uh, you know, kind of like the last microqueers, uh, first date fuzzy, there's not enough here to make any mm-hmm. kind of assumption about what a feature length film could be. I mean, I'm always down for more queer dramas, uh, particularly if they're not dealing with like the coming out process, somebody getting AIDS or, uh, somebody becoming a gigolo because those are my least favorite queer narratives. So this one seems to be avoiding all of those traps. So yeah, I, it, it's well shot. It's got likable looking actors. Obviously, I would want a bit of dialogue, but um, yeah. Oh my god! But no, if you want real art house, like the whole movie is the whole movie is dialogue free. Yeah, I did like the music. <laughs> yeah, no, the music's great, and again, like it's like it's mostly in slow motion, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I'll agree with you. I'd watch it. I just, like, I mean, like, because, again, you can do anything with this plot. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, listeners, let us know if you watch a full feature-length version of this. But um, I think on that note, we can cross out Ecstasy. Yes, and cross out Microqueers. SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.